0: This is an episode of Reasonably Sound Classic. For the first 30-some episodes, this podcast was distributed by Infinite Guest, American Public Media's podcast network. Thus, it benefited from blanket broadcast licenses held with every music publisher. After going independent, pretty much all intro, outro, and interstitial music had to be removed. The intro and outro music you're going to hear is an in-progress version of Reasonably Sound's theme written by Will Stratton. The awkward silences are where act-break music used to be so if you could just imagine like queen or the misfits or kate bush along the way that would be great if you want to support reasonably sound in the hopes that maybe one day i'll be able to afford some blanket licenses of my own you can check out the patreon at patreon.com forward slash reasonably sound okay on with the show Ago because this episode had to get suddenly postponed. Sorry about all that, by the way. I realize the last couple months' worth of releases have been a little all over the place. I really appreciate y'all hanging out, being patient. Anyway, on August 25th, 2015, Reasonably Sound had its first birthday. And nope, all done. That's enough. No more celebrating. Well, I guess if you wanted to get me something in celebration, I would be honored and flattered, and I'd probably say things like, oh, you shouldn't have. And for me? If you listen until the end of this episode, because now is not quite the time, there'll be a little explanation of what you can do to support Reasonably Sound on its first birthday. But between now and then, no singing happy birthday. The above is all we'll play, lest we ruin our festivities by incurring the wrath of Warner Chapel Music, who, as of recording this, owns the copyright to the Happy Birthday song, officially titled Happy Birthday to You. And while I don't know of any high profile cases of people who have been sued over their unlicensed use of Happy Birthday to You, I'm sure there are, I just don't know about them. Why risk it? I'm one man. And one man who also happens to not be a lawyer. But yeah, it's true. Happy birthday is copyrighted. You can't put it in a movie, fully reproduce it in your podcast, or do a public performance of it without buying the rights. Like, have you ever gone to an Outback Steakhouse, or a Ruby Tuesdays, or whatever other fun and family-friendly chain restaurant has three for three Wednesdays, three apps for three bucks each, and also, if it's your birthday, and even if it's not, because, I mean, really, what are they going to do? Check your ID? Let us know, and we'll force the entire staff to circle your table and clap and sing at you. Except it won't be the happy birthday song, it'll be some weird alternate universe. Hey, it's your birthday. Hey, hey, it's, it's your birthday. Knock off nonsense, and then bam, here's your complimentary molten chicken chocolate cake. Yeah, they do that weird song instead of the real one because legally they can't sing happy birthday. Not without paying for public performance rights. And since y'all think it's funny to make them sing it like 90 times a night, that'd get expensive pretty quick. Unless they got a a blanket license, I guess, which they probably would. But still, think of all of the flair that money could buy. So instead they sing some other song that no one knows or owns or cares about or can sing along to. It's a blessing and a curse, really, sitting there in silence as a congress of service professionals ranging in age from 19 to 23 saying a thing you could not, even if you wanted to, join in on. I don't know what I've been told. Someone, Someone here is getting, getting old. Good news is dessert is free. Bad, Bad news is we sing hockey. Happy birthday to, to you! you! And if you go to a place and they do sing the real song, they either paid for the rights, which I guess is pretty unlikely, or the manager got everyone together in the parking lot one day and was like, all right, everybody, fuck the copyright police. We're going to sing the real McCoy. And then they all cheer and high five. TV shows and movies do the same thing, the fake happy birthday song thing. It's someone's birthday, and if the show has the budget, maybe they'll spring for the license needed to perform the real happy birthday song. This was the case for the documentary Hoop Dreams, for instance. Director Steve James apparently paid $5,000 to license the song. But in most cases, where people don't want to fork over the cash, probably there'll be some song that everyone sings like. It's the normal, good old happy birthday song. Like, this is exactly what they do every time it's someone's birthday in the universe of the show, and it's totally normal. Sitcom universes may be exactly like ours in every way, except for two details. Everyone always sits on only one side of a table, and the happy birthday song is different. Everyone knows the words to the weird new song. It's totally normal, except neither you nor I have ever heard it before, and would never try to crowd onto one side of a picnic table like we're at The Last Supper because that's just weird and inconvenient. This conundrum, needing to wish fictional people in a fictional setting or real people in a setting where there's a bunch of, like, license plates and statues of cowboys or whatever stapled to the wall, a happy birthday, but not being able to, because the man won't let you, This all inspired the Free Music Archive to assemble their own playlist of license-free happy birthday songs. At the end of 2012, the Free Music Archive, which is, as you might guess, a user-built archive of freely licensed music, held a contest where they accepted songs newly written specifically for the purpose of wishing someone a license-free happy birthday. Do a public performance of it, put it in your film, go, Nuts. No license required. The playlist of all the entries was released on December 12th, 2012, and contains over 100 Happy Birthday alternatives. From them, three finalists were chosen. Here's a clip from each. Third place went to The Blank Tapes, who recorded their entire entry on a mobile phone. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Birthday to you. Second place went to Bob Barta because apparently to the ears of the judges, his rendition got closest to Happy Birthday to You without encroaching. Happy birthday to you, and the best wishes to Happy Birthday, dear Ignatz, and good luck. All year through And in first place, Monk Turner and Fascinoma with It's Your Birthday. The free music archive post, which includes the details for all of these songs, also has a link to some different versions and sheet music for this one. I'll put a link at infiniteguest.org forward slash reasonably hyphen sound. It's your birthday Happy birthday it's your birthday! Happy birthday! One of my personal favorites, keeping in mind that favorite might not necessarily mean most suitable for actually performing in front of a group of people you know and like and whom you want to know those things, is the Elastro Brothers' Everybody Has a Birthday Today. <laughs> As good or entertaining or just plain weird as some of these are, it's unlikely they'll ever replace the song we know and don't really love, but which has just kind of become the de facto thing we sing, or are expected to sing but can't, in case you happen to be a character in Futurama or an employee of TGI Fridays. It's highly unlikely that any of these alternatives are going to depose the queen of birthday songs. License-free or not, she's been on that throne for quite some time let's talk a little bit about how she got there Birthday to You was written by the Hill sisters, Patty and Mildred. They were both born in Kentucky in 1868 and 1859, respectively, and had endlessly fascinating lives. The entire Hill family apparently stressed the importance of education and professional work, even for women, which was uncommon if not radical at the time. And the two sisters took this to heart. Both became leaders in the late 19th and early 20th century progressive education movement in the United States, as well as composers and songwriters. If you're interested in more about the Hill Sisters, Glenn Fleischman wrote a great piece for Boing Boing called The Twisted History of the Happy Birthday Song, which spends some time talking about their lives and goes into great detail on the song itself. It is fascinating. Highly recommended. I'll put a link to that on infiniteguest.org as well. Anyway, the story goes like this. The Hill Sisters wrote a song called Good Morning to All. They sang it to their kindergarten students every morning. They wrote it in 1893 and published it as part of a collection of songs called Stories for the Kindergarten. Over the next few years, the Good Morning would occasionally get replaced with Happy Birthday and the All with You. Mildred and Patty didn't document this process. No one really knows who wrote the lyrics to Happy Birthday to You, or if it even was any one person. As it was gaining popularity in their native Kentucky and then beyond, the Hill Sisters never went out of their way to claim a copyright for the transmutation of their original song. They didn't write the happy birthday version of Good Morning to All down, and apparently requested that other teachers do the same. Arguably, and we'll talk more about this in a few minutes, this indicates a few things. Amongst them, a want for happy birthday to you to remain unpublished. And therefore uncopywritten. And just as a quick digression, it's probably worth noting that at the point in United States history where Good Morning to All was written, creative works were not granted automatic copyright as they are today. The way it worked was actually the opposite of the way it works now. Unless a copyright was claimed explicitly by placing a copyright symbol or the word copyright next to a year and claimant on the piece of creative work, it was thought to automatically be in the public domain. Today, the reverse is true. Unless a work is marked as explicitly in the public domain or license-free, it is automatically protected by copyright. The music for Happy Birthday to You, or Good Morning to All, as the case may be, is in the public domain, since it was published in 1893 and all works published before 1923 in the United States are in the public domain. Meaning, without fear of copyright infringement, anyone can hum the tune of Happy Birthday in pretty much any situation. You just can't sing the lyrics. Imagine that happening at the fast, casual eatery you most frequently patronize. A group hum. Anyway, this might lead you to wonder, if the Hill Sisters didn't write down and publish the HBD lyrics, and even if they did, if it wouldn't get automatically protected by a copyright they arguably weren't interested in in the first place, how did we get into this mess? Ah, I love how much y'all love detail. So, After Mildred Hill's death in 1916, a third Hill sister, Jessica, inherits whatever unexpired rights to Good Morning to All still existed from its original publication in 1893. She sells those rights to a music publisher, Clayton F. Summy Publishing Company. In 1935, which it's worth noting if you're playing along at home, is well after 1923, the year upon which creative works in the United States automatically get copyright protection, Summy publishes the alleged first ever fully authorized and copywritten edition of our happy birthday song. It's in a collection called The Everyday Songbook. After 80 years of mergers and acquisitions and license transferals and whatnot, happy birthday to you is today the property of Warner Chapel Music. In 1988, they paid $25 million for it. Estimates say they make $2 million a year from it. A single license for its inclusion in a piece of publicly viewable media can cost upwards of $30,000 dollars. But okay, Jessica Hill sold the rights she inherited. But which rights exactly? This is a, a whole mess, because we have music and lyrics and two different songs here, and certain portions of them are in the public domain, while others are not, and it's arguable whether Happy Birthday to You was ever intended to be copywritten in the first place. Well, All of this and more factors very heavily into a lawsuit that is currently ongoing, like literally right now, assuming you're listening to this in September of 2015, I guess. If you're not, well, there may have been some developments. Jennifer Nelson, the director of a documentary about Happy Birthday to You and its history, is suing Warner Chappell because she does not believe, after doing research for her film and being charged a $1,500 licensing fee to use the song, that it is actually protected by the copyright being claimed. If she wins, and her and her counsel can prove that Warner Chappell's copyright claim isn't legit, Warner will lose the license— they will owe back license fees collected for the past several years, and Happy Birthday will belong to the people. But what are the two sides to this legal dispute? Well, Warner Chapel claims that Summy Publishing bought the rights to the lyrics and music of both Happy Birthday to Hugh and Good Morning to All from Jessica Hill. Summy would only have done this, they say, if the music was not, at the time, in the public domain. If there were actual, legal, defensible copyrights being claimed by capable parties, that is the only situation they would have paid for rights. In short, if the material were free of any license, there would have been no need to license it. Nelson and her crew see things differently. First and foremost, Happy Birthday was created and therefore belongs to the people. There was no one documented owner or creator of the lyrics, but rather a naturally unfolding creative process. Claiming authorship over happy birthday to you is like claiming authorship over rare Pepe's or the late 90s laser pointer trend. We all played a part. We're all responsible. And no one person has a controlling stake. This position has proven difficult to back up, though. The lawsuit has dragged on for two-plus years. Nelson and her council have had to resort to documents, paperwork, publishing histories, and so on. Currently, their argument is that copyright for the song was either completely abandoned by the original creators, or has expired due to the fact the song was published and copywritten. Before 1923. But wait, you just said. Didn't you say before that the sisters purposefully didn't publish a version of the song? Mm hmm. I did. And they didn't. But what if Summy did? <laughs> What if Nelson and her counsel could prove that Summie's claimed 1935 edition of The Everyday Songbook, the edition that they say establishes the copyright provenance for Happy Birthday, was not, in fact, the first official publication or copyright claim for Happy Birthday to You? What if there was another, earlier edition, and that edition was published before, you guessed it, 1923? Such is the nature of a discovery made mere weeks before recording this episode of Reasonably Sound. A 1922, so just under the wire, edition of the Everyday Songbook containing Good Morning to All with documentation of alternate lyrics titled Happy Birthday to You was discovered in the basement of a university library. Warner Chapel, of course, claims for all kinds of reasons that the 1922 copyright is false and the one true copyright is that from, conveniently, 1935. What does and does not make earlier editions of the everyday songbook legit in the quest for determining the state of happy birthday is, as it turns out, for a judge to decide. And when they do, they'll decide if our happy birthday is really, and finally, ours. This is really a substantial story, that of Happy Birthday, with lots of takeaways, as we may say, in the podcasting biz. There's the complicated nature of ownership, especially when it interacts with law and licenses and the public. There's feelings of ownership conflicting with facts of ownership as determined by contracts and lawyers. There's all kinds of lessons about the ever more draconian United States copyright regime, which, to my mind at least, feels increasingly less like it's encouraging creators and more like it's punishing audiences and consumers. And of course, this also gets into one of my favorite topics, the unyielding greed of major music organizations why Warner Chapel has not at this point released the copyright of a song whose creators, if we can even determine who they are, are long deceased so the public can enjoy it without cost or penalty is far beyond me. Well, I guess really it's not beyond me. I know exactly why they haven't done it. I just, I don't like it. But maybe this situation, this legal conundrum, and the Free Music Archive's attempt at a happy birthday coup are the best and most interesting lesson. When we let one piece of media, one creative work or act, represent such a large, important, frequent, or personal thing, do we just open ourselves up for this kind of complication? I mean, Happy Birthday to You might be some singular example of this situation, but it is the reigning birthday song champion, but not because it has to be. Just because it it is. It, it always has been. Or at least, you know, for the last hundred plus years. And if we've learned anything in the age of the internet, it's that one potential future for media, for culture, for communication, is not a bland mundanity that makes one thing acceptable to all people, but the hyper-serving of niche audiences that gives us all the opportunity to determine what, to each of us, is personally acceptable, or maybe even thrilling. We no longer need to spread single pieces of culture or media so thin that they can no longer support this bizarre infrastructure that has grown around creative works. In its current incarnation, the happy birthday song allows personalization to the level of insert name here. But what if we all had our own birthday song, a song that is as unique and amazing as each of us? What if they were centrally collected? What if they were easily deployed? What if they were all license-free? I'd really want to know what Beyoncé's was like. I would probably use it as source material in my own which brings us finally to my happy birthday or really reasonably sounds happy birthday and how we might celebrate it first and foremost if you can writing a review on itunes is always always awesome it's weird really how meaningful itunes reviews are in the podcast world but it's true they are that'd be a great birthday present but though i'm a few years late for the free music archives license free hbd contest i find it inspiring not because it will provide a way to replace Happy Birthday to you, but because the 100-plus songs submitted are so different and reflect so clearly the subjectivities of their creators. It's inspiring not because the songs will be useful, but because they are personal. So, I made my own Happy Birthday song, for Reasonably Sound. It's, uh, it's long, and weird. And I think it effectively celebrates, reasonably sounds, birthday. Maybe it'll effectively celebrate yours, too. And if it doesn't, that's rad. If it sort of does, but not quite, please use it. Use it as source material to make your own personal birthday song. Because it's license-free. You can download it on Bandcamp, microgneta.bandcamp.com, and just look for the HBD record. You can download it for free, but if you like, you can also pay what you will. You can pay what you think a silly, overlong, license-free, happy birthday song is worth, or you can pay based upon how much you like Reasonably Sound and how much you want to support it. as a kind of one-time donation. Finally, and I think the most exciting part of the Reasonably Sound birthday extravaganza, I'm going to start a Reasonably Sound Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a recurring funding system so you can pay people who make things you enjoy For making those things. It allows you to automatically donate a set amount of money for every full episode of Reasonably Sound that's released. That's usually twice a month. And you can donate as little as you want, or as much as you want. It is all tremendously helpful. It's been a year, and I love making this show i love talking with all of you about sound and the unexpected things that it can teach us about ourselves and the world and not only do i want to keep doing that i want to figure out new ways to do it bigger and better ways i want to interact with you more in a more organized fashion provide you with more resources and after giving it some very long thinks i think a patreon is a good first step towards doing that I won't talk your ear off about the details here, but if you're interested, you can go to patreon.com forward slash reasonably sound with no spaces, no hyphens, with an O, with a U for info on milestones, patron levels, and rewards, some of which I am really excited about. Like, I want to record some of your outgoing voicemail greetings, because who leaves voicemails now? That is a sonic space waiting to be repurposed. Anyways, anyway, that's the long and short of it. An overlong, reasonably sound happy birthday song on my band camp. A reasonably sound Patreon. And all of you. Having made my first year of podcasting incredible and fun and interesting and honestly, significantly more sound than I could have ever reasonably hoped. Thank you. My name is Mike Rugnetta, and this podcast has been Reasonably Sound. You can find Reasonably Sound on Instagram and Twitter at ReasonablySND, and you can find me, Mike Rugnetta, on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Snapchat at Mike Rugnetta.